You do want to stay close to the mic. Okay. Don't get, don't let yourself get too far away because it's, as you can tell, when I get closer, you can hear my voice. And I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to be aware of that when I turn around and look at you guys. And yeah, that's the appropriate in the ass. It'll just kind of like work around the mic. That's why I never look at you guys. Now he's always looking out. I always look down in the space. Yeah, or I'll talk off like this. Um, good morning, everybody. We are uh, we're late this week. We didn't go on Monday or Tuesday because I was in Tahoe. We've been throwing in some different time frames too, with like yeah, we've been Jamie coming around. in on Sunday and well, yeah, we have. So we're gonna we'll get back on a regular Tuesday Tuesday schedule starting next week. But I'm excited to. And by the way, Luis, thanks for being flexible. Yeah. Um, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming on. This, yeah. this is gonna be a good one because we got a bunch. Of, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. But real quick, just I, I'm coming back from Tahoe. I was up in Tahoe uh, for four days, and I got to go to CrossFit Avalanche, which is an OG affiliate. It's been around. Around. miles. Yeah, yeah, miles. And I, was he coaching? So, or was he around? So I didn't even get to. I didn't get to talk to Miles. Apparently, he was around on Monday. So we came back on Monday to work out, and I was told he was going to coach the afternoon class. And I should have reached out via DM. I just assumed that he'd be there and it'd be cool to catch up with him, kind of impromptu like that. Sure enough, he wasn't there. He'd already coached her then day, and then I got wrapped into the class. Um, but I will tell you, one of the things that Don Fall talked about at the affiliate, at the affiliate uh, lounge at the CrossFit Games this year was that he asked all the affiliate owners that were there listening to him speak, hey, would you refer, how, how confident are you about referring your mother I think it was your mother. Yeah, said, mother, grandmother, to, to any CrossFit affiliate in another town somewhere far away. And no one raised their hand. Literally no one raised their hand. Craig, hold on. What? Thanks, Harold. I'm, I muted your computer. You're good. Okay. Oh, was I not me? Oh, yeah. so you were getting a double. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Harold. That was me. User... I'm usually the one that bitches about it. Too. I usually catch it ahead of time, but I slipped on this one. So anyway, so I was up in Tahoe. We um, going into the went into his affiliate, and so after Don said this, right? So we lose comp. So now I'm like, you, you, you everybody, you, nobody you, raised their hand. Yeah, when he you asked and that I question. talked about, it. And, and CrossFit has a, you know, they want to change that, right? Obviously, because mm. if you want to get the, the best source of business for Diablo is referrals. Yeah, that's where we get ours. Right. It's, it's it's people that refer their friends and family or they heard from friends and family or someone talked about it. And so um, that kind of bummed me out. And you and I talked about, you know, different ways that we can maybe help that process audits, those kinds of things. And mm -hmm. Jamie and I are going to look into maybe making ourselves available or PRs all day available mm -hmm. for, for doing gym audits. Don fall and the CrossFit team are going to make a huge push and they already are to they're testing it overseas i think they, yeah yeah said. they're testing the audit but they're but they're doing a huge initiative to get coaches uh different levels of certification yeah so higher levels of certification um and you and i jamie and i know that if you're a level two coach you can tell our people that come back from level two they're like it's it's very game, it's game changer yeah it's very as a coach you go there and you get scrutinized coaching people so yeah. you're made to coach in a group of people your group of your peers which you know and probably in your industry that work they're presenting or talking or teaching your peers is kind of challenging yes. and then you get picked apart by an expert like it's wow. very humbling experience. while it's happening so you come back from it 
um, knowledgeable, but then also like, oh, this is important. What I'm saying, the words that I'm using and how I'm addressing people and how I'm teaching people is important. And so CrossFit's initiative is to turn to, is to, to um, push education. And I think that's a, that's a great way to kind of tackle a problem. My, what I plan to do is, you know, when Yvonne and I travel is to visit as many CrossFit affiliates as possible. And, uh, so we did that with, with, um, CrossFit Avalanche mm-hmm. and it was great experience, great coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and the classes were good and the workouts were good. It was really, it was really stoked. It was really fun because it's a, it's probably about, I don't know. I was going to say maybe 2000 square feet. Probably. I was going to say he just recently moved in that it's, space. A yeah. Few it's years like 1500 right? square feet. And it's, it's really kind of like a house that's been, all the rooms have been cleared out. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Do they have ropes anywhere? No, they no ropes in their, their wall ball, their indoor wall balls, nine foot target. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then we had Tabata wall balls, so I didn't bitch about it. So I was, <laughs> that just means you're doing more squats though. Well, yeah, that's right. Well, here's the other thing is I skipped. All, all I did was go grab a, I used a 25 pound ball instead of 20 oh, pound there ball. There you go. It was fun. It was, it was still a great workout. And they said, if you want the 10 foot, if you feel compelled to do 10, you go outside and do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was it was great. I t- we both days great workouts, great coaches. There's a couple of small things that I would have uh, that I, when when I'll talk to Miles, I give him some feedback on that I think he could do better. That you as a CrossFitter, when you go into a different CrossFit affiliate, you have to respect the uh, culture of that yeah. community. Is what I want to say, and they have a different culture than Diablo. Okay, it's more relaxed. Well, it's also a different environment too, because they have so many visitors dropping in from, you know, that are in the area, just visiting Tahoe, you know, it's yeah, not well as, as much residential stuff. The drop-in process was easy. Yeah. Well, cause I'm sure they've got it dialed in. <laughs> yeah, they did. That was, that was really easy. And it was 30 bucks to drop in, which yeah. I didn't mind that. I, th- I think that's a fair price because yeah. you, your drop-ins are kind of a pain in the ass because they don't know what equipment is and, you know, you mm-hmm. get, it's, it's all kinds of extras. Just the process. The, 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 the going rate around the country has always been 20 bucks and people get all upset when they come here and ours is 34. Why is it 34 bucks? Well, cause uh, look at where you are. It's like ah, your, it's your, area, right? your detail, right? <laughs> Thank you, Luis. <laughs> we'll have you back on this podcast again. Anytime. But I was going to say, because drop in, you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, my co- get very many drop-ins. I know. I know. <laughs> God, is really <laughs> Why is it 34 bucks? Because you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> Welcome, but, fucker. I'm up there. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, a woman, oh, a dropping came in from another local CrossFit affiliate. She wanted to try us out. And, and as she walked in, Rod Abdelassian, a member, a longtime member, walked up to the front desk right at the same time. And I was I was covering the front desk for a brief period. And I'm, not, I'm technically not allowed to do that because I don't do things right, according to my wife who runs that kind of whole operations up there. And as Rod walks up, I'm down, I was looking at my phone doing something and I looked up and he's standing, I go, what? (laughs) Right. As a drop in came in (laughs) and I go, Oh, I'm so sorry. We don't did. I I know. She goes, no, no, I was all right with that. (laughs) But but back to my point, drop-ins are pain in the ass. And the, the reason why you're a pain in the ass and you should pay for the drop-in fee and you should pay ahead of time and you should do their waiver and do all that stuff is because the coach is serious about teaching mm-hmm. CrossFit, the movements, the the workout and making sure that people have their members who are paying the footing the bill and paying for the damn place 
or he, they're trying to give them the best hour of the day and you're coming in they're having to spend extra time with you because they've got to show you where the equipment is, how things work, how the workouts work, where the turnaround is for the 400 meter run, um, where the clock is, where the bands are. Like, and this is the whole time they're having to do this for two people, my wife and I. And so, and I don't, you know, I understand like, Hey, no, no, I'll help it. And they're like, no, we, they want you to follow their protocol. So they're going to spend time with you. So that's why you pay extra for drop-in. So don't bitch about it. Drop-ins are drop-ins should be 60 bucks. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. You know, when I do drop-ins, um, one of the things that I always struggle with when I go to other gyms is looking at their website and trying to figure out the layout of their website. I spend, seems like five to 10 minutes trying to figure out where the, all the information is. And it'd be nice, this is just a very small thing, if every CrossFit affiliate's website was laid out in a very similar fashion. I think some probably hide their workouts of the day, mm -hmm. right? And because they don't want to give out their workout to everybody in the community. But as a CrossFitter coming from another gym and visiting this gym, I don't want that programming to conflict with what I'm doing necessarily not that they're going to be doing anything that's beyond what I'm capable of doing or, or what I'm willing to do, mm -hmm. but it just be nice to know what I'm stepping into. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, I, th I think a lot of you, times will you raise your table up just a little bit. Yeah. I want to bring his mic just a little bit higher. I think a lot of the times too, um, people don't post their workouts on the, on the website too is because cherry picking. Yeah. There's avalanche that. avalanche yeah. doesn't post. Theirs. Yeah. I mean, but, we don't post your, besides sugar wad, but you make a really good point. And that's the one that Chris uh, Cooper at two brain business makes like that's one of the first things he points out mm -hmm. you know you go to a crossfit affiliate website and there's not even a phone number on there yeah. there's no way to get a hold of them true yeah crossfit affiliate owners are passionate crossfitters first they are great coaches second they are web developers like eighth or ninth yeah. or right. tenth. yeah <laughs> and that's very apparent when you go to their website <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It's, but it's so, you know, it's you, you say that the, and those are the machinations that go, that goes through my head too. I think about that. So like if I, now for, for CrossFit Avalanche, I started thinking of that. Okay. What's the drop-in process like for Diablo? And I'm going to look at my drop-in process, especially now, since you just said that I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> and look at it, but it it's, I think that's important. We have a, we're, we, uh, during the pandemic, everybody was averse to drop-ins, right? Because you thought someone was going to be bringing in the plague when they came in to visit your community. Well, that we had such strict protocols. It's like our members were already oh, conditioned yeah. to it. Um, we may we we it's it's not easy to to join our gym. Like you got to yeah. go through. You have to do a tour. We got to show you all the stuff because we want to make sure that when you're when you come into class, you're not standing there going, "Oh, I'm embarrassed. I don't know where anything is. I don't know what the weight is. I don't know what they're doing." We want you to feel comfortable when you come in. And to do that, we've got to put you through a little bit of an intro on the way in. But I, but, but Luis makes a great point for CrossFit affiliates, and here's why. The drop-ins, when they come into town, they're probably, often they're visiting family and friends or yeah. they're there for work. Right. So you want, that person is the person that you want to talk really well about your affiliate. Correct. Because especially when we get people to come here for work, work-related stuff, if they come in for work, they're going to go to work that day. And then people that they're working with are going, hey, how, you, you enjoying uh, Pleasant Hill or your stay here in San Francisco? Where did, what did you do? I went and worked out at CrossFit. Gym. Oh, CrossFit. Okay, I heard that's cool. Where'd you go? Diablo CrossFit. What was that like? Well, it was a pain in the ass. And the owner was like, when I walked in, said, <laughs> what? <laughs> 
it's not going to help us get to 30 million people. No, (laughs) (laughs) exactly right. We're not. And Jamie makes like, that's very funny, but But you make very true. Very true. You make a good point. We have an obligation as affiliate owners to, to make the, the drop in the best hour of the day for them as well. Because they're likely to be the mavens that are going to be telling the story. That's a really good point. I, we got way off subject here. This is not what we were going to start with. This is great, though. This is good. This is good. This is a great well, topic. Yeah. So, too. but but Luis makes a great point. So, if you look at your website, and I'm going to glance at mine again today, just to kind of go through that process. Um, your phone number should be up there. A phone number, and it, and it can go to a, it, it can go to voicemail. Just create, there's we use Grasshopper. It goes into voicemail or forward. You can forward it to a different phone. It doesn't matter. People, there are people. Still, people out there that insist on speaking to someone in person. Yeah, and what's great with like we use Grasshopper, um, which is not even the best of the voicemail eight hundred numbers or toll free lines. So you dial in, and then if you it sends you a text. So when you call, and you it goes to voicemail. As soon as you hang up, at least if you hung up on it, it would send you a text saying, "Hey, we're all busy right now. Um, is there something oh, we can help cool. you with right away? Yeah. And then you can text back and we get people to text back like yeah. Dean. Hey, yeah. Cancel me out of the class. Move me to the next class. Cause I'm late. <laughs> that's, that's a that's lot. A nice, that's a nice service. That is a really nice feature. Right? Yeah. And so, but that's, and that makes it again, it's, it's something that's really simple to do, but your phone number should be on the website. Um, a map or directions on how to get to where you are. Cause not every CrossFit's easy to find. Right. Well, they're all not easy to find. There's a, there's only a few that are easy to find. And then the uh, drop-in process and waiver process should be on there as well. Right. The and schedule. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Schedule, yeah, yeah, schedule classes, helpful. right? That's and I, super And helpful. I get your point about people cherry-picking yeah. within the community. Yeah. But I've run, into, I've run into this one time where I show up and I've got two pairs of shoes in my bag. Mm-hmm. I've got running shoes and then yeah. i got shoes that I can do oh, a rope climb with. That's a good point. And I take my running shoes assuming that maybe I'm going to be doing some running at this gym. Right? And I get there and there's rope climbs. And I end up tearing up a pair of running shoes oh, to do the rope climbs because I'm yeah. too far to go change my shoes. Yeah. So, you know, maybe just a little symbol or something that showed that you're going to be doing something with a rope or a symbol or, mm-hmm. you know, this workout is barbell heavy. And if you have lifters, bring them. Bring them, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have the right equipment for that or the right footwear You for do it. a lot of drop-ins when you know, you're this, out this visiting? This podcast is turning okay, to be no. a pain in the ass because now i got to take notes. Uh, oops well, you can always go back and listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, I know. well i do go back and listen to it but it's like this is good stuff yeah but you're right like so i did i used to have our workout of the day on there and then i took it off we had it published like a week out at a time okay. um and i can do an rs well no i can do an rss feed on and then just where it shows just the just the today yeah. yeah so when it comes when it's today it'll yeah. show and we don't lose anything by doing that no, I think we took it off because we had people that were not subscribing to PRs all oh, day yeah. were going on and just like, why would I subscribe when I could just go to the Diablo's website and take the <laughs> workouts for free? I'm like, fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I bet, I bet they do that in Mayhem and everywhere else. It's well, just... yeah. I mean, it's, but then you don't get all the other content behind it. Yeah. Um, I, but I like that you could put a, just a symbol up of like, you know, what's it, what you, what, what you're going to need or yeah, something, a little rope or, you yeah. know, just Here's, a universal symbol that yeah. means you're going to rope climb today or a universal symbol. That means this is a running heavy workout mm-hmm. today or a universal symbol that shows a jump rope. So if you have a jump rope in your bag, you can bring your own. That's a good Cause point. not all affiliates have all that, the jump ropes yeah, that you have out true. there for their, for their, uh, clients. Yeah. 
That's a really good point. Man, that's good. It's uh Luis Oh, look at that. Hey. Who said that? So Either way, a, fa a Facebook, Facebook user. It's positive. So somebody who's listening on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, that girl that you were in the lobby when that girl came in, by the way, yesterday. Yes. That was right when, <laughs> when, the, when the what he, came he, up? When he got to witness that, my behavior at the front desk, <laughs> which right now Yvonne's like, I'm never putting him on the front desk ever again. It's by design, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't want to be up here. Um, but as you walked by, it was interesting as you as you walked by, she she didn't even know what she was talking. We were talking to her and I go, and and I didn't see your big puck. She goes, <gasps> she goes, look he's that's badass that's a cool leg and she noticed uh luis's uh, prosthetic on his on his leg and i said yeah i said uh you know we're doing podcast tomorrow and you know, i said he's you know he does class i go i don't even i go i don't even notice it's post point but i go the heat that's the business and she's what maybe that's the business he's in he makes them. he makes yeah. those and she goes oh my god wow and then she said well i wonder if he sells them to us and we'll sell them to you she goes we work she goes i work for kaiser like, yeah, oh. we do. Oh, <laughs> we do. Yeah. That's interesting. Small world getting smaller. Yeah, that's amazing. I was going to bring her back and introduce you, but I was too bu too busy trying to get her checked in because we have a terrible check-in process for drop-ins. <laughs> she was probably exhausted by the end of the workout. Yesterday's workout was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On point. Oh, that's how you like that kind of workout. I, I do because it rewards yeah. your effort. It does. Yeah. That's a very good point. I, put your head I, it's down it's funny. I told her, it. I said, yeah. you'll get to see him a lot. You'll be following him around the workout. And she was like, wow, that's badass. It was cool. Um, which, well, we, well, I was going to get into the game stuff. Um, and well, uh, you want to introduce Luis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> probably a good idea at this point yeah. or what yeah like let's do that minutes. we'll yeah we'll, and we'll yeah. skip we'll skip because we want to talk about the game stuff too because it's it's kind of sexy to talk about that everybody's talking about it but i and i wasn't gonna it is a bit of a i wasn't going to talk about the changes to games that because you know it's out there and everybody else is talking about it but i got so annoyed by the comments that the masters and adaptive athletes were making about the changes mm -hmm. that i want to of course get mad and respond to it I, I read the comments and you shouldn't read the comments but before that luis mora's here and he's been a member of Diablo since 2010. We were kind of going through that before. I was oh, telling you, yeah. I didn't remember when I joined. I had a yeah. vague sense of approximately the time frame. And then I don't know how many times I've visited your gym, but it's almost on a daily basis. It's mm -hmm. at least yeah. three to six times a week. Yeah. And I've got probably just as many, if not more, cancellations. I was joking about that earlier. Because <laughs> for every one visit, it seems like I cancel twice. <laughs> but I eventually make it in. You might yeah. cancel one class, but you'll come back like later in the day. Oh, yeah. 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 That's what will happen. I'll just, yeah. you know, if I'm signed up for an early class, I'll cancel early enough that I can come back in and work out in the afternoons. But I really enjoy my time here. It's was something that I really look forward to coming in and doing, regardless of what you put up there, Jamie. <laughs> I've been a big fan of yours for a really long time because it takes quite a bit of skill and organization to put together uh, workouts that a lot of people can do. Mm. And what I see here is your programming is is, is really well thought out. Thank so, you. Thank you. Yeah, I congratulate you on that. It's Constantly cool. trying to pr uh, provide more progress to that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's Especially this last seminar that we just went through. Got a lot of wheels spinning at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's um, that's working with the larger bodies. Yeah. Is that the yeah. seminar you're talking about? Yeah, that seems like a very interesting topic and one that 
that needs to be discussed. A hundred percent. And um, they, it, it was, it was it, a very eye opening experience. I, I take it from the perspective of, unfortunately it needs to be discussed. Yes. When we started this, you know, when Jamie started, when I started, that's, it just wasn't a topic because it wasn't as prevalent. Right. And it's becoming, now it's, we're at 42% obesity rate in the United States. And it's, and the morbidly obese is probably even larger, is grown as well. That's mm-hmm. probably, you know, 15% of people today. Well, we see it in our industry as well. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, I'm a prosthetist. I'm an ABC certified prosthetist. So that's American Board of Certification for Prosthetics and Orthotics. I've been certified now for over 10 years. I got into the field of prosthetics because I lost my leg in 1994 due to osteosarcoma. So due to a bone tumor, uh, which is a fairly rare form of cancer. Um, probably, uh, there's probably about 200,000, uh, cases of bone tumors on a yearly basis. And of those 200,000, most of them are benign. Um, mine was a malignant tumor which means it had the ability to move throughout my body. Mm. Um, When I was diagnosed in 1993, late 1993, um, that malignancy had not spread yet, um, but it was a very aggressive tumor. And uh, due to that, I, I, I sustained chemotherapy for over a year and had my leg amputated in 1994. Um, So at the time it was, um, you know, I was 14 years old at that time. I, I was a teenager. I was going through all the normal things that a middle schooler goes through, mm. right? Just trying to fit in, trying to, you know, that's probably when you become most aware of your body as yeah. well. So it was kind of an interesting time to be hit with that diagnosis. Um, it was, um, if I if I could just share this story with you guys. Oh, please. please. Yeah, so I was diagnosed in December of 1993. At that time, I was 13 years old. Um, the symptoms that I had were somewhat vague. I was a very active teenager, played baseball, did Taekwondo, played basketball as well. And so I was always constantly kind of bruised up, right? Mm. I was, I was somewhat hurt. Um, and, uh, at that time, um, 13 years old, um, my parents were, were working, but they were, they didn't have health insurance through their, through their employer. And so I was being seen at small little local community clinics for, you know, what amounted to sprain an Mm. ankle sprain because I had some pain in my ankle and that went on for several months. And then in December of 1993, my, my mother got a job that afforded her health insurance and immediately she took me to Kaiser for a same day appointment. And the, the, the physician who was on call that day had me x-rayed, read the x-ray and came back and said, within about an hour said, I want you to see an orthopedic surgeon tomorrow. And, uh, are you willing to come in at lunchtime? Because they're willing to see you at lunchtime. So yeah, sure. So came in the following day, um, saw this, uh, this surgeon and he says, I want to do an MRI. Um, so I've got you scheduled for an MRI at 4 PM today. So I went and did the MRI, got the MRI read within Within a day, actually, I got the result of the MRI and the same uh, orthopedic surgeon says, we need to do a biopsy on this. I suspect it's a, it's a cancerous tumor. So they biopsy me on a Friday. And this is after going to a same day appointment on a Monday night. And I get biopsied. I have the results 
by Monday morning. He said, you can, you can get a second opinion. You know, we'll, we'll send the, the tumor slides to wherever you want to go, but um, we need to move now because it's, it's a pretty aggressive tumor. So I started chemotherapy a week later after going in for this, um, this same day appointment, did get a second opinion. Um, it, the conclusion was you're going to need chemotherapy and we're going to need to reevaluate, but you're probably going to need some sort of surgical intervention as well. And um, I remember being consoled somewhat. I mean, I was distraught. I was a teenager, you know, my world had been mm-hmm. flipped upside down and I really didn't know what the implications of this were other than the fact that, uh, my life was going to change. I was more upset, to be honest with you, about losing my hair due to chemotherapy. It's, it's ironic, right? Because now I shave my head voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I was, I was really upset about that because I was going to look like a freak when I went back to school. Um, and, and it was going to be obvious that I had something wrong with me. And I didn't, and I didn't want that to be the case. And, um, you know, they, they assured me that even though that's a that's obviously something that can happen with chemotherapy that that doesn't happen to everybody. That was all lip service. Cause it happened. I mean, every single uh, thing that could go wrong in, with chemotherapy seemingly went wrong with me. You know, the suppression in, in your, your body's ability to fight off infection, your ability to, um, um, I, I mean, it, it was, it was a variety of problems that right. I had nausea too. And you went oh, through nausea, this- vomiting. It was, it was horrible. You said I mean, you went through this for like a year. I went through this for a year. So, um, I was diagnosed in December, 1993. Uh, Thank you for getting me back yeah. on track. Um, and then, uh, I was offered a limb salvage surgery or an amputation. Um, and the amputation was pretty cut and dry. It was just one single surgery, no subsequent surgeries. Um, and the limb salvage was a series of surgeries with more risk of complication, mm. more likely a risk of reoccurrence of the cancer as well. So I elected to have the amputation due to the fact that it was just a simpler decision. Yeah. So I was amputated in April of 1994. So this was April 1st, 1994. I remember it. It's like, oh, yeah. I, I look back on it almost as if it was last week. I mean, I could still see that day in my mind. And I was prepared for it. And I was look, actually looking forward to it because I was having chemotherapy almost every two weeks up until that point. And they told me, Hey, you know, in preparation for the surgery, we're going to give you a whole month off. So I'm like, hell yeah, I'm ready. You know, I I don't want to deal with this again. And so I had a month off a month of April, had the surgery April 1st, I was able to recover from it. And then I had another, I want to say it was another six to eight months of chemotherapy afterwards. And then I come off of chemo, uh, early 1995, I resume life, go back to school, hair starts growing back. And I remember thinking, you know, people would come up to me and say, Hey, you must be really relieved that you're done with that. And I said, actually, no, I'm kind of scared. So because up until now I've had this safety net of this, of these drugs flowing through my body that were taking care of this cancer that I had no idea how I got. Right. And, uh, at this point I'm, I'm on my own now. My body has to deal with this on its own mm-hmm. and I'm getting reacquainted with, you know, how, how I can function with the loss of my left leg in time, trying to reassimilate into life. So that was the, the early stages uh, of, of my loss. And I even remember thinking, you know, when I was, when I was going through all that, I would look at people, I would, I used to love to watch baseball and football and basketball. And it would, it was hard to watch it because I would look at it and I would say, you know, there's no way I can ever do that again. And I would convince myself that 
all of these things that I would see people do physically with their body, I was never going to be able to do again. And I struggled with that um, all throughout high school. I wasn't active in high school. Um, uh, I, I didn't play sports or anything like that. And then, um, and I, I slowly found myself wanting to get active again. Um, I, I didn't gain a whole lot of weight, although I wasn't in good shape because I wasn't physically active. Um, but I went through a, a process of learning how to function with what I had again. And, um, I found the field of prosthetics, interestingly enough, because I found what was being done to me on an almost yearly basis, very, very interesting. So I was having my legs made at a shop in San Francisco called uh, San Francisco Prosthetics and Orthotics, and a really interesting shop. The, the owner was a, a really quirky gentleman, a really creative gentleman as well, who's since now retired. And uh, I talked to him and I said, hey, look, I, I really... I'm interested in what you do here. And it sounds like you guys are having a boatload of fun back there while doing it. I mean, they had a music blasting and they're talking, they're just chit chatting and I could hear all this stuff going on in the background. I'm like, I want to be part of that. Plus I kind of like the way the, the resins and the glue smelled mm -hmm. and it, oh, it yeah. just, it just seemed like a cool environment. Right. And so, um, I was invited to go back there and I, I just fell in love with the field. Um, I, I started working there, volunteering my time and learning the craft uh, and at that time I was a undergraduate in college and I decided to study biology and kinesiology, um, because it really lent itself well to the field of prosthetics and orthotics. And then when I graduated with my, with my bachelor's degree, I ended up going and getting certified as a prosthetist, um, because I just fell in love with the work and helping people and making prosthetics and optimizing my fit as well. So through getting my degree in kinesiology, I once again found my, my physicality, right? Um, a requirement for getting that degree was taking a boatload of different physical ac education classes. Yeah. So, um, I so got, brought, I got active brought again. you into it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And the process I found CrossFit as well. Um, I was introduced to CrossFit in about 2008. I was working, or, yeah, it was 2007, 2008. Wow. I was working at a 24-hour fitness in San Francisco, interestingly enough. Yeah. And one of the trainers there that I worked with, I was a personal trainer there for a little while, and then quickly realized that you make more money selling memberships than you do personal training. <laughs> so I started doing that. And one of the trainers that I worked with there um, introduced me to CrossFit and the methodology. And I'm like, wow, this is really, really cool. And, uh, I, at that time I, I was applying to prosthetic school, I went to prosthetic school, came out, I was working on optimizing my own prosthesis. And, uh, I decided to give Diablo CrossFit a, a try. And I saw the limitations currently with what I had. And I said, you know what, this is something I really want to do. And I got to find the right prosthesis, the right equipment to do it with. And, uh, through that process of discovery, I was able to, to come up and optimize my own fit. Um, and I've taken that experience with me to work every single day because I, I, I realize that you meet people at different points in their journey and, and you have to meet them where they are in order to get them going. In order to sure. optimize I've them. heard that phrase yeah. so many times over yeah. the last several months. Yeah. Yeah. Meeting people where there are is, is important, right? Not 
not imposing upon them what you think they could be or yep. who you think they can become. Yep. Because you might see that, but they don't even realize that yeah. yet. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that was my journey into CrossFit. And I'm glad that I'm here every single day that I get a chance to come in here. So, I, you know, I've known you since 2010, since you first came here. And that's the first time I've heard that story. Mm -hmm. I've had people ask me about you periodically and maybe even at our coaches meeting, how did Luis lose his leg? How did Luis lose his leg? Why does he have a prosthetic? And I was like, uh, he's been that way since birth. Uh, he, <laughs> I, I, I've literally never known, but I've never thought to ask, I was never compelled to ask. And it wasn't just like a respect or a, like, I didn't want to ask. I just, I've never thought of you as a, as, as adaptive, like you, ever since you've been here, you operate, you know how to operate, you know, wherever equipment is, you know how to move, you do everything right. You, you beat me on a lot of work, especially like ones <laughs> like yesterday, grindy, long workouts. And I just, I've never thought of you as an adaptive athlete. Is that, is it, it, it do you, do you think of yourself in that, in that regard? In other words, do you, um, you know, you said this year was the first year you just, you you signed up for the games as an adaptive athlete. Right. Is that how come you didn't before that? I've, I would actually kind of wondered that how come you didn't in previous years? Um, the adaptive division hasn't been around that I was long. Say, it's, it's been, been, been like, like two, two years. years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. yeah. So right. last year was what the second year. Yeah, and yeah. I, oh, second year in the open. Yeah. 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 And so, I you know I I'm like you. I don't really think of myself as an adaptive athlete. Although I think if I had to categorize myself mm -hmm. and compete with others, then I probably, th yeah. that's why I chose the adaptive division yeah. uh, for the lower extremity uh, adaptive division, because that's probably closer to what I fit into. Mm -hmm. Very, very similar to like the way people think about themselves as, you know, a master's athlete versus somebody who's competing at a, in a lower age bracket, mm -hmm. right? You're adjusting for your age. You're adjusting for your capacity. Yeah. Um, part of my experience with CrossFit, I think the advantage that I've had personally is the fact that I have a background in rehab. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of the stuff that, uh, you're probably going to end up having to coach somebody who doesn't have a, a rehab background is, is showing them what, how to scale. Yeah. Right. How, how, how to move when you don't have, you know, full use of your, of your leg mm -hmm. when you don't have, when you're missing plantar and dorsiflexion, when it yeah. limits your ability to flex your knee or yeah. flex your hip. Squat right. below parallel or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. Right. In, so in your job as a prosthetist, do you, are you doing, tell us about that process. So if someone comes in and wants to get a prosthetic limb, um, are you do you what's that process like is it coming in just sizing giving limbers or like a whole training process is that is it you know what's involved in that process for someone it's a pretty involved process and it typically involves a variety of health professionals right so okay. it starts mm -hmm. off obviously if they had their leg recently surgically amputated it starts with the surgeon yeah. whether it's a vascular surgeon orthopedic surgeon starts with them. And then that referral typically goes through physical medicine and rehab and they'll assess that patient's capacity to use a prosthesis. 
Um, not just because somebody lost a limb, does it mean that they're going to actually be aided yeah. by a prosthesis? Cause at the end of the day, it is an assistive device. Yeah. It's not a replacement. And so that physical medicine and rehab doctor, um, will, will orchestrate the rehab program for that individual. And that involves a referral to pro- a prosthetist, which would be myself, typically a referral to a physical therapist, um, so that they can get, um, pre-prosthetic rehabilitation to reestablish their baseline so that they're able to function with the prosthesis. And it it may also involve a a consult to uh, occupational therapy, right? So that they're able to assimilate and Mm -hmm. use their their prosthesis in their home environment um, and in their work environment if they they assume uh, going back to work. Um, But once they get back, once they get to us as prosthetists, uh, we get a lot of that information as well, right? What their living situation is like. We learn uh, what their life was like mm-hmm. before their amputation. And then we tailored their solution based on antis- the anticipation that we're going to be able to rehabilitate them back to that point, right? Um, and it's several appointments. Uh, a lot of times we end up spending a lot of time with these patients because yeah. it's, if you've ever had... Um, I've never had a suit completely tailored for me, but I've had one, you know, uh, uh, altered. You, you spend quite a bit of time with that person. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that sort of process with your patient. You're tailoring uh, the prosthesis to, to fit them. Once you get them fit with that prosthesis, um, they get a lot of their initial training from us. And then the referral goes back out to physical therapy so that they can continue being rehabilitated with that prosthesis. So there's a lot of back and forth. So to say it's a whole, it's a whole process just to kind it's of a cycle. It's like learning how to walk again, essentially. Correct. I, I had a, a physical therapist, uh, friend of mine, uh, draw the analogy that it's very similar to learning and ins- learning how to play an instrument. Mm. She plays the violin. I play the piano. Yeah. And- it's the, it's, Right. It's that creating a neural pathway, right? Of repetitive use and the myelin goes down over the nerve pathway so that it creates like fluid movement. And that's learning a musical instrument. A physical extension of yourself, right? It's it's an implement that's outside of your body and you're learning how to utilize that as an extension of Mm -hmm. your body. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I mean, that's one of the big things that really drew me to kinesiology was teaching people. Yeah. Um, it it's it's a really empowering thing you're 100 so the picture i have up now if you look down on your screen you'll see is uh is the squat and these pictures this is the picture squatting like the the clean and jerk and the running i we see a lot of those of you here at diablo and those are always impressive but this is these are ones like this is one when when i look through the pictures because i put the pictures up for sugar water every mm-hmm. week and i go through and i try to match the movement with the with the, the workout yeah yeah so that it matches and i think from time to time i'll come across you you happen to be a photo subject because whoever's taking the pictures uh, chris pagano our photographer or, um olivia was taking mm-hmm. a picture for a little while they tend to gravitate towards you can i think it, they gravitate to you because it's like holy shit it's <laughs> impressive <laughs> yeah um the this your squat depth in this your limb loss is below the knee correct so, yes. you, so you have some flexion in the knee. So I'm, a, I'm able to flex my knee, but I'm limited by the fact that I can't dorsiflex yeah. my foot. 
Oh, that's right. The ankle, so yeah, yeah. The ankle movement really restricts my ability to flex both my knee and my hip. Mm-hmm. If um, any of the audience have ever worn a, like a cam walker for a sprained ankle or something yeah. like that, where your ankle is locked down or had to wear a cast. Immobilized. Immobilize it. Yeah. It makes it very, very difficult to squat. Yeah. And so that coupled with the fact that I only have half of my tibia left. So I lose a lot of leverage being able to extend uh, right. out of the squat. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably don't get um, con- uh, help from my tibia until I get probably to about 65 to 70 degrees of knee flexion. Mm. So at 90, I'm mostly getting out of that squat, I believe, I perceive with my intact leg. Do you, um, does this, you know, listening to Jamie Lee talking about, you know, how pain usually moves downstream from the source of pain then into downstream, upstream, from, yeah, downstream, yeah. upstream. Does this, uh, does this cause issues with the hips and back for you? It does. Yeah. Especially if I, if I run, mm. um, I'll notice a lot more discomfort on my right side hip. I'm the left. Just for taking entity. on more, more compensation to that side. Correct. Cause I'm spending more time, yeah. uh, in stance phase yeah. on the non-prosthetic side. So there's that huge amount yeah. of asymmetry. And so that's what we're always trying to restore symmetry. Yeah. Right. We're always trying to restore normal human motor function mm-hmm. as, as, as prosthetists. We're trying to find um, the solution to that. Do you do a lot of uh, this is added the, mobility uh, to that stuff then since, since you're feeling more on one side? I do. Yeah. Is yeah. that something that you talk a lot with your, your patients or clients? It, it, is, it is a topic that comes okay. up, but it is really hard. You got to understand that, you know, we're, we're talking about meeting people where they are. Yeah. The majority of the patients that, that I've seen that lose their legs that lose lower extremities are due to vascular disease okay. as a complication of diabetes. Mm-hmm. So they've had a, a, a long period of deconditioning. Got it. And a lot of them are just happy to be able to stand up and walk again. And so once we get them past that point, we yeah. start to see them function again. We start to introduce tidbits. Hey, what about, here you know, what, what about doing this? Or what about, you know, being able to increase your capacity to function? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the vast majority of it. I mean, the statistics I, I believe I've read recently is over half of the amputations. So probably 55 to 60% are due to vascular disease as a complication of diabetes. The other 40 oh, to 45% are trauma, crazy. all trauma, right? Yeah, so unplanned yeah, yeah. accidents, uh, car yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then the, a very small percentage of that, less than 5%, probably on the order of about two to 3% are due to cancer yeah. or some sort of infection mm-hmm. um, that went septic that's yeah. going to be a big deal yes. coming, coming up for you guys oh it's it already has i, I mean say, yeah. when i got out of school uh in 2008 prosthetic school in 2008 we were already talking about there was a shortage of practitioners in our field and there was this huge initiative to try and one build more programs so that we could mm-hmm. certify more people on a yearly basis we were also trying to increase the requirement to get into the field. And that happened, I believe, in 2013 or 14. Um, so now it's currently a master's program that you have to go through in order to be a, become a certified prosthetist. Why would you want to make it harder to get into the field? Very good question. <laughs> um, 
it's it's very counterintuitive because the the initiative oh. to the initiative to get um, master's credentialing was to try and get the reimbursement up. I believe it was to really try and get the reimbursement for prosthetic devices up. Um, we're tied into what's called durable medical equipment. So anything that we provide as a as a prosthetist, whether it's a prosthetic limb, a brace, your orthotics in your shoes, if they're covered by insurance, um, a commode, a cane, walker, anything like that, they all fall under the same umbrella. And so as professionals, we are reimbursed for the item, not for the service, right? And there's a lot of time that goes into tailoring that yeah. device for that patient. That makes sense. And so, so and, that, and that's paid for out of pocket by the individual then? No, that's paid for by the insurance. Some of it for is- the service too? All of it. All okay. of it. So this prosthesis that I wear, it's billed to my insurance um, as an item. And it includes all of the time that went into originally making it, as well as all the time that's going to be required to follow it up over the mm -hmm. next three to five years, any tune-ups, mm -hmm. any refinement that needs to be done to it up until the point where it needs replacing. How, that, man, this is, this is, man, there's so many places we can go with this. Yeah. I mean, it's really fascinating. What a fascinating field. And I'm thinking about my daughter now. Um, it's like she probably would enjoy this as well. Um, titanium knees, um, hips, they give them, they say, fifth, the, now the, 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 uh, the outside is like 15 years. But mm -hmm. most of the time it's 10 to 15 years. Um, prosthetics, how long? usual life cycle for a prosthetic device is about three to five years. Wow. Because yeah. of the changes in the physiology of the individual or because of the wear down of the breakdown of the equipment? The breakdown of the equipment, its life cycle is rated for uh, approximately three to five years with daily use. When you calculate in anywhere between 8,000 to 10,000 steps a day. Now think about that. Like we, okay. So this is, you know, they're using legit materials. Mm -hmm. So you, you want to think about what, what, you know, the wear and tear is on your body and how amazing the human machine is. It is. Yeah. And, and these very guys, adaptable. These guys yeah. are using the, probably the best materials, the strongest materials, most flexible, putting these things together well, and you're getting three to five years out of someone that does. Correct. 5,000 steps a day. Yeah. Wow. And some of that too is probably due to the fact that in our industry, and I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag here. This is just me thinking in our industry, we're paid for the device, right? We're not paid for the time. So if we say, uh, Hey, look, the useful life cycle of this, of this device is 10 years, a decade, yeah. right? Then we're expected to follow this thing. Maintain up with, that. Maintain yeah. this for 10 years. There's no money in maintaining it. Yeah. There's money in replacing it. Right. So, yeah. I, and I understand there's a, it's a well, business. Yeah. I'll tell you what, right. the bike manufacturers figured that out. <laughs> All these guys, you know, you, yeah. It's the same story, right? It's, yeah. it's very similar in that sense, but. Yeah, you, you, and it's, that's a, that's running a business, right? It I mean, is. It, it's, it's, it's running a business. We, we opened up a fitness equipment company for a yeah. very brief, expensive period of time. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the things we realized right away in it, it was that, you know, if you sell a barbell, they don't buy another one for a long, yeah. long time. Yep. 
so that when, the, when we first opened, yeah, people bought barbells, they bought racks, and that you know this is, this stuff's made to last literally forever. I have barbells out there on the floor that we've had since we opened day one. Right, they're incredible. The shoe business, on the other hand, <laughs> when we started selling shoes, or we got turnover, you turn over oh, yeah. merchandise. But durable equipment like that, it 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 doesn't sell. So you got to. So then the only way to grow your business is to increase your market size, right? Which cover requires a tremendous amount of advertising and then you're shipping all those headaches that go with it right but that that makes sense to me with respect to prosthetics and, and also now that i work for a manufacturer of prosthetics it's also making small iterative changes to the existing technology mm -hmm. right to create yeah. that demand to show that there's increased capacity increased functionality by going to a new foot or a new knee right um and then if you Factor in the fact that they're only designed to last for three to five years. In three to five years, there's a better version so of it. Say technology is improving, and yes, so it's more of an upgrade in that yeah. case. Do you have do you have different um, prosthetics for different activities? Like, hey, to you know, today I'm going to the beach, so I'm going to wear this leg. Or tomorrow I'm going to I got today's tomorrow's. You know, we're going to do the 5K at at mm -hmm. Then I'm going to wear the different one. Are there different ones for different occasions? There are, but I don't personally utilize them that way. And okay. you, would, you would think, you know, somebody who makes them and works for a manufacturer has a whole lineup. A whole lineup. Yeah, at, like a CrossFitter at, does with shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I personally don't like that. Um, okay. For me, I'm really, really comfortable in one mm. socket and the way that socket pairs with a particular foot. Uh, it, it very much becomes an extension of me, something very, very familiar. Yeah. And it takes me a while to adjust to anything different yeah. that I might put on myself. That makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Because it, you, you, and you want it to be part of you, an extension of you. I would, I, you know, even with its limitations. Projecting, but that, that's what I would think. Yeah, even, even if the device has some limitations, as long as I'm familiar with them and I can anticipate them, mm -hmm. I, I deal with them. Yeah, that's 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 the way I've typically gone with it for a brief period of time. You came in and you had a blade. Your current setup now is a, a like an aluminum device that um, with an extension down at the ankle to the foot. But you used to I saw you come in with a blade for a short period of time and the blade being the carbon fiber um, yeah. bend. And is that. Tell me about that. Was that something that was a temporary fix or is that just something for track and field? Is that something that's I was common? Ex I was experimenting, experimenting. I was with, saying, that, with little, that design little a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is a, what I was wearing is a modified running blade called the Cheetah Explorer. Okay. Um, which is a running blade that has a heel attached to it. And that blade is also directly laminated onto the back of the socket. And so the advantages of a blade like that are, one, you get all the dynamics of the carbon fiber all the way throughout, mm. but you're also getting feedback directly into the socket from the ground. Interesting. Um, because you, okay. it, it, it's an interesting concept, one that wasn't apparent to me when, it, when they brought up the fact that you would be able to increase your proprioception just by mm. laminating your carbon fiber directly into the socket. But I remember right after doing it, I would wear a vacuum pump on the end of this of the socket to to really increase the um, the adherence of the, the fit. connectivity yeah. connectivity of the fit, and the pump that I was wearing at the time was electronic, and every time it would run, you could kind of feel it vibrating on the socket, and the 
bore often at run indicates that you have a, 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 a leak or somewhere yeah. in the system, right? And so I was sitting in the car, I'm driving home with this thing on and I'm starting to feel vibrations and I just feel it over and over and over again. And I'm like looking at my phone app and my pump isn't running because I can tell from the phone app it's not running. And then I came to the conclusion that I'm actually feeling the vibrations of the car through the floorboard oh, wow. and oh. into the carbon fiber. And I was like, that's exactly what they were talking about. That's cool. It's increased proprioception. So I did have increased proprioception. You have a more dynamic and lighter weight prosthesis. The difficulty with wearing a device like that is it's not modular. So I can't take that socket and connect it to another foot. Oh, uh, so it's like a one size, once it fits it's it's one that's, setup that socket is directly attached to that foot and that's it and if i want to disarticulate it i have to take it to a bandsaw and cut it off oh, shit. so with my job now you know i'll go in and teach oftentimes i'll go in and demonstrate sometimes mm -hmm. the different feet how to set them up and i'll use my own setup mm -hmm. so i'll be able to disconnect what i've got on and easily connect something back got on it not to mention that I also spend a lot of time on my feet now that I work teaching. Um, I also spend a lot of time on my feet talking to people, um, standing in place, I should say, not just on my feet. And that setup is so aggressive in terms of the toe dynamics that standing still can be somewhat uncomfortable because mm -hmm. you feel all that extension through your knee. Um, so it, it's somewhat limiting in that fashion. Um, and that's why I choose not to utilize it on a daily basis. There's a picture here of you running. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually, if you stand, you know, if anybody stand is watching this on YouTube and you stand like about 20 feet away from your screen or even 10 feet away from your screen, you wouldn't be able to tell that there's a prosthetic there. Um, uh, is when you run, cause Luis, Luis is a fast runner. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, what I'm interested in knowing when you run, do you versus say the squat position that you're in, are you um, having to, is your strike for your, for each foot the same? So right there, now you're up, but coming up a little bit of an incline on this one, but that looks like a beautiful running stroke right there. It's a nice pose. Yeah. It's a nice, yeah. It's a, it's like the pose running method. And you were out at the 5k, I think out of Akalani's. Did you go with the recently yeah. yeah yeah no i didn't make it to that oh, that okay. was one of the classes i canceled the five, the <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to run a 5k around the track yeah. I, actually, I actually did yeah. um but oh that's right I, you did you ran the 5k on a different track right yeah yeah oh yeah. i've it. done that before got it. Yeah. um but the so but you here you look like you got you're on the you look like you're on the ball of your foot or the, yes. i guess that would be the ball of your prosthetic foot correct um and you don't heel strike is is that just happening because you have a prosthetic or is this something that's learned um and you've adapted to you have to learn it you also mm -hmm. have to optimize the alignment so that it walks well enough but when you run and you increase your stride length you're still able to land on the ball mm -hmm. of your foot um so the all the feet that i wear are crossover feet in the sense that they work well for walking they don't do anything great. They yeah. do everything okay. So they're not the best walking foot option. They're not the best running foot option, but they can do either or. Like CrossFit S. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. like a CrossFitter. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's exactly why I utilize it because yeah. I cross the average. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you want it to be able to transfer over from your to your daily life versus what you're just doing here in the gym. Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
Um, but if you're utilizing a straightforward running blade, when you set those up, you typically set them up taller than your sound side legs. So when you're standing up statically, you're actually lopsided. Yeah. Because you're making up for the fact that the carbon fiber is going to compress in stance phase. Oh, okay. So from a walking perspective, it's not a very... Walking, standing yeah. in place, it's not going to be a comfortable Interesting. Setup. Okay. Yeah. How big of a pain in the ass is the, the, the skin rubbing and the chafing thing, the fit around the limb itself? It's, it's the biggest pain in the ass. It is. It is. Figured. Because what we've created inside the socket is a pseudo joint. It's a, it's mm. a joint, yeah. right? And if that doesn't fit precisely or if there's a lot of movement in that joint then you're going to get skin breakdown because your your body was never meant to take those sorts of peak impulses and impact um that, that we're requiring of it in and around the knee uh so what we end up utilizing are different gels either silicone elastomer or urethane to shield the bony structure of the body okay um and then we utilize different suspension mechanisms. So mm -hmm. either voiding the, the, the socket of air, utilizing a passive system where it's just a valve that allows air to escape, or an active system where you actually attach a pump to draw mm -hmm. air out mm -hmm. actively. And that increases the adherence between the limb and the socket. So decreasing their, their oh, yeah. the movement, yeah. if you okay. will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So... I mean, I mean, just think of any p two pieces that are machined to go together, yeah. right? If they're not machined precisely, then you have movement in there. Yeah. And if that movement occurs a lot over time, those pieces will wear out, right? Right. And that's very similar to what would happen uh, with your body inside a prosthetic. So then that's kind of how uh, Dale King started the Doc Spartan too, right? Was with, yes, soldiers coming back and amputees for yeah, like the... Yeah, needing treatment. Yeah, needing skin treatment. Skin treatment for the like the the friction and and rubbage and whatnot. Oh, yeah. what is this? Doc Spartan, our okay. our, our sponsor. Yeah. Okay. Combat ready ointment, and okay. that's where that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's an all natural kind of. There's like a salve. So it's a barrier cream. That yeah, it's a barrier mm -hmm. cream. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a thing in the front. If you want right. to, yeah, check and it out. And it's got you know healing components to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to try. I, it. I actually would. It'd be good. I'd like to introduce the two of you. He's, really? Yeah, he's okay. Doc Spartan is the one. Yeah. He has uh, uh, Dale King is the one that um, produced the video "Small Town Strong." I um, yeah, I heard Ohio. all about that. Yeah, I regret that I wasn't able to come in and watch that because yeah. that seems like a really, really yeah. interesting. It is a powerful CrossFit. Yeah, it's powerful, powerful documentary because yeah. he's at ground zero for the opioid epidemic. Okay. And then he's watched his town go from opioids to where now they restrict the flow of opioids that turned to heroin, and now it's fentanyl. And he has, through his relationship with a rehabilitation center, taken CrossFit and used that as one of the tools to help uh, addicts recover from their addiction. Okay. It's fascinating. As how. And he brings them in, and he makes them coaches of his gym, which is incredible. And these are people that I mean, literally mm -hmm. the one girl, I think, coach, I forget her name, uh, Sarah. Yeah. Um, who was Narcan, literally, she admits in the documentary, I was Narcan brought back to life nine times. Wow. And, and these are, these are hardcore addicts that now she's a full, full blown CrossFit coach in his, in his gym. And she works for Doc Smartin. They yeah. created this, this uh, company based upon the combat ready ointment and a couple of other things that they have, uh, uh, skincare products that they have, all natural skincare products. And he takes them, brings them in, 
they get rehabilitated and then he gives them he gives them jobs he's created this whole circle of whole career system recovery yeah. because yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's a great story but anyway i would you, you you'd you'd enjoy meeting him and you probably have some things in common um okay so we got a, i got a little bit off topic so that um the um the, there is one particular prosthetic that um i've seen you where i haven't seen it in a long time but i i want to say like if i had a favorite because the, the blade one when i saw you in the blade i was like oh mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a kick-ass device. I'm yeah, not saying Luis is not going to throw shade on going it. for it. it. Was really nice. And part of me too was like, wait a minute, is this giving him an extra advantage on the runs? Because <laughs> you know, Blade Runners, the, yeah. the one that have dual, the, yeah, the dual, the dual blades, blades, they, yeah. they they run faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's actually a really interesting topic to, to me personally because I I remember a time when early in my diagnosis, I remember thinking, you know, this is going to be a huge disadvantage of, for me but how do I turn this disadvantage into my advantage? Uh Right. And it, and it became my advantage in this field. I've had colleagues comment to me that I've, I've gotten this far in my career because of my amputation and I don't disagree with them. It it has become an advantage Mm. for me because I can talk to patients peer to peer. Right. Right. And, and I use that so-called disadvantage in my favor. Um, so it's it's very much it's, true and similarly my and i try i tell people this i you know talk to my daughter about this i my fitness my physique um uh, my ability to do more physically had enabled me in my career in the investment community yeah yeah it, it's, it's it's totally it's, true it's 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 human nature yeah one has to do more and but people were more interested Receptive in talking to, to me. hearing it yeah it just you know it's it, it's just and i you know, it's not discriminatory, but I, but I leveraged it as much as I could, but going back to the different prosthetics that you wore, and there was only, there's one that I haven't seen in a while and I'm kind of sad about it. Um, it was one you, <laughs> that one was sick. Yeah. That was early on. <laughs> yeah. So that was, a, a this is early days. And if you're, if you're just listening to this and not watching, it is a red, um, upper portion of his prosthetic with a Diablo logo um on the is that is that like a that's not just a sticker is it no so what you're looking at there is actually not a structural component of the prosthesis that is a fairing or a shell okay that goes over the socket oh god it's really meant to protect the outer sleeve from getting nicks and bumps Mm. because remember we're talking about once you lose the back yeah got it right you lose that adherence and then you start moving a whole lot more inside the prosthesis so there's nothing functional about that other Besides than the like fact, armor essentially exactly and so what that is is oh, how did i do that i think it was a red shirt and then i took an emblem either off of a hat because it's raised i cut yeah. that emblem out of a hat and i did you, pasted it on oh, there that's awesome. and then laminated over the top of it that's awesome this is gives me a great sense of pride and i keep this picture not far from my it well, it's in my favorites just because it's so, I had even so forgotten that I made that. <laughs> yeah. The, the, flashback so this was it. probably seven, eight years ago, I'm thinking, yeah. is when this was. That's about right. But the, the, the other reason why I brought it up is I wanted to know how different is this technology versus, say, the prosthetic that you're wearing right now? It's almost the same. Is it? Oh, really? Almost the same. Yeah. So top to bottom, um, the socket I was wearing at that time, I've since remade the shape of it. 
but I use the same technique that I use to make the socket that I'm wearing currently. Mm. And that is I cast myself using plaster of Paris, take a series mm. of measurements, and then I modify that model that I've made out of plaster and then start making iterations or plastic sockets over that model, refining that shape. And then when I finalize it, I make it out of carbon fiber. So that process is the same. Is that process that manual for all prosthetics? It currently is the status quo. Wow. Although there are different variations of it now. Um, so there are variations that include, include a pressurized tank where you wrap the patient up in plaster and you stand them into this tank that has a silicone bladder that's pressurized with, with water. And then they stand into it and then you get a weight bearing cast of their limb. Oh, so that way you can actually get more structural reinforcement. You, you get a closer approximation to the shape that would be op optimal for yeah, them when they're standing. Yeah. Right. So there's that. Um, uh, also, there's the, the ability to use a structure scanner. So you can actually use a structure scanner uh, attached to an iPad, scan the limb, and then you'll have a digital representation of the limb on software that you can modify wow. the same way you would in plaster. And then you start making it out of a, start making plastic sockets yeah. out of that model. So there, there are different ways to do it. I'm fairly old school, yeah. even though I'm only 43. I mean, that I, that's the, the, the way that I've gotten accustomed to making my own and I've had good success with it. Someone yeah. comes into your business and wants a prosthetic device. How long are they, how long before they've got one on their limb? Usually it's a series of appointments anywhere between three to six weeks. Okay. Okay. And that's a, that's a, that's, that's, that's a, a problem in our industry. Hey, are you guys, what's uh, um, your company? Can we talk about your company? Yes. What's your company? I work for Oser, which okay. is an Icelandic um, company. It's a company based out of Iceland. It's been around since 1971. It's wow. a global orthopedic, non-invasive orthopedic uh, company. We make bracing supports and prosthetics. Okay. I work in their prosthetics division as a clinical specialist. So okay. I, tr uh, I travel with the salespeople to help one, train them, and also train customers and end users on how to use and apply our products. Okay. And um, tell us, are they, are you overwhelmed with business now? Is it, is it, is business good? Is it growing? Is it, what's it like? The business is, is growing. Yeah. Uh, I can't give you the figures. I don't know them yeah. personally. I'm, right. I'm not as interested in the business as I am in, Just in the actual encounters, helping people. Yeah. but, but every week it's, you know, two to three different cities, wow. different stops and seeing a boatload of patients. Wow. So yes, wow. business is booming. And, and yeah. back to reasons why it's, for you, you indicated that some of that is, is, or, well, it's, you know, we're dealing with the vast majority metabolic disease. Yeah. yeah. And so that journey for the majority of patients is at first it's metabolic disorder, it's diabetes. Mm -hmm. And then the complication thereafter is a lack of circulation, yep. peripheral vascular disease. Um, if they happen to get a wound on their foot, Don't the wound is, takes a very long time to heal and, uh, you know, your audience may or may not know this, but, um, bacteria, 
Mm-hmm. They breed well in a high sugar in a sugary environment. And if the patient's diabetes is uncontrolled and their blood glucose level is high, then that bacteria proliferate in that wound and it becomes very, very difficult to heal that wound. Yep. That wound will transfer into their bone. And before you know, they have osteomyelitis and they're considering an amputation yep. uh, to save their life at that point. Um, they're, they're losing a limb. You know, this is the part that this is just one small sliver of the impact of chronic disease in this country. Yep. One small sliver. And it's, and it's, this is, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and we, we talk about chronic disease and obesity and diabetes somewhat cavalier now, right? Well, I'll say that term 42% of the country is obese yeah. now. And, and people think, wow, interesting. Yeah. We all need to start exercising and eating right. But this is a problem that goes way beyond exercising and eating right. I'm, I'm, oh, it's just, I'm going to yeah. preach a little bit here, but it is, it, it, this really hammers home, and I had no idea this conversation was going to go in this direction, but it really hammers home the significance of and the impact of chronic disease in this country when people are having to have limbs removed. And then now you think about that individual is having, so, so that person is, you know, has diabetes, right, as a result of lifestyle, but as a result, also as a result of the types of foods that are available mm-hmm. to that individual. So all kinds of reasons. I'm not maybe, I'm casting any um, a, a blame on any one individual. It's something that our country needs to address and the world needs to address, but we can start with our country. Country needs to address this issue and figure out what the hell the solution is. And it's not just drugs for those individuals. But now you have someone, right, that is a metabolic disease that is causing them to go visit the doctor repeatedly has probably all sorts of steps in between that level before the limb comes off. Oh yeah. Right. Then the limb comes off. So now you've got Luis and his company involved and now you got physical therapists. Mm -hmm. One person, one person who's morbidly obese has now probably this cast, this web of five, 10, 20 people that are have, helping to support this person to live a normal life that's probably shortened already by you know 10 15 years of their lifespan yeah it's 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 huge it, and yeah. then think about the cost of all of that now even whether or not it's paid for like that's not the issue but just think about the money that is being spent by yeah. our country by everyone in order to support that whole process it's not then, sustainable and this is just one small sliver yeah. of the cost of chronic disease right. It's really yeah. mind blowing to me when you start to break it down and look at it. It's yeah, there's there's around two million people living with limb loss in this country. Wow. There, this is a, probably a ten year old statistic that I'm recalling here, but of 185, 186 thousand new amputations a year. Um, the vast majority of those, over half, are due to peripheral vascular disease, and of those patients that lose their, that 185,000 that lose their limbs due to peripheral vascular disease, um, it greatly shortens their lifespan more so than any other comorbidity. They stop moving. They stop moving. Right. So the very thing that probably brought on that disease has now been exacerbated by the fact that they no longer can move. Um, and, uh, a lot of times within two to three years, that same group of people will lose another limb or, to have subsequent revision of that yep. limb at yep. a higher level, yep. further decreasing their capacity to function. Yep. It's, it's sad. It's frustrating. And then as a result, it's created industries now that are, that are, you know, capitalize on the opportunity to, 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 
fill fill a need that's needed. Correct. And I get that. But then the medical industrial complex fires up and like, okay, here's our here's our chance to to make millions turn of dollars. Turn that engine on. Turn that engine on. Uh, it I. I, you know, I, I, I know these things, like I know of them It's again, it's one of those things where I'm kind of like out, out here on the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I know people losing them. So yeah, I know, you know, with it. but then when you really delve into it, like we've delved into it, I'm like, holy yeah, it's crap. It's very eye-opening. It's really eye-opening. You guys are doing, you guys are doing God's work over there. Oh. It's, it's really cool. Oh, we do our best with what we've got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the reason why I like who I work for is Oser was introduced to me when I was in school as a company. Um, there, a lot of their hashtags really have to do with stuff that um, makes sense to me. Like I'm wearing one right now. It says life without limitations. That's one of their hashtags. Mm-hmm. Um, we sponsor or we're very closely connected to the Challenge Athletes Foundation, which is a nonprofit that helps fund both adaptive devices for patients that need, you know, a recreational prosthesis. They may need a recumbent bike if, mm-hmm. if they, if, the, uh, if that's what's required. Um, they may need s- uh, special training if they're looking to become, you know, active. They want to do a triathlon or something like that. Um, they'll, they'll sponsor that. And so they have a grant program that that'll sponsor people effectively to get all these things. And my company's really closely involved with them. Um, so a week from this Sunday, um, I'm going to San Diego for a triathlon is spa- sponsored by Oser and the challenge athletes foundation. And it's an adaptive athlete triathlon. That's awesome. In La Jolla Cove. And that's a yearly thing. I, be- I believe it's been going on for over 20 years. Um, it's the biggest of their, uh, of the sort. There is really nothing that comes close in terms of, uh, getting the adaptive community out there and, uh, that's outstanding. Again. It's yeah. And I, that's why I love what that, that, that CrossFit has been so, I, I think, a, um, not only accommodating, but as welcoming as, as can be for adaptive athletes. And then, and, you know, in the last couple of years, promoting the adaptive, adaptive. athlete divisions. Um, I won't even get into the whole games issue because that'll just trivialize the whole process or the whole conversation. I don't, I don't want to get into that discussion. But I think um, that part of it, like the how many years 20 years of doing that competition yes i mean that's the same kind of stuff that we do at crossfit is you know one we bring people in we change their lives and then they set an example for everybody else mm-hmm. because the more i'm sure with you guys the more you get people moving yes after yes, that's exactly that's right. exactly the solution right <laughs> right you're saving their lives it's just, putting a prosthesis on somebody no medicating somebody is just a band-aid yeah. Right. You yeah. got to address what got them there in the first place. Yeah. Right. Inactivity. The root right? causes. It's yeah. the same. It's the same thing here. It's just an extension of what we're doing here. Yes. We're um, just we're just meeting people at a different point in the journey, yeah. if you will. Right. Yeah. And there is an adaptive CrossFit community um, here locally. I remember at uh, CrossFit San Francisco, they had an adaptive CrossFit class um, led by uh, Max Conserva. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. It's a class that I dropped in on a couple of occasions because at the time I was working in the city. Yeah. Um, so that community is alive and well, and, and they're looking for, you know, the opportunity to be challenged. And um, I like that. It, it, it's really something that that's a welcoming thing, yeah. right? Uh, Cro- CrossFit works on a variety of levels. It, it, it challenges you on a daily basis, but it's also a daily check-in with your body 
right? You know, as well as I do, if you're not feeling well, you're not going to perform well in here. If you come in here, whether it's physically or emotionally, you're going to be bogged down by something. It gives you a sense that something might be wrong. It might be time to kind of check in, right? Um, with a health professional. I, that, that's why I like coming in here. There's a affiliate owner in, um, up in Wisconsin, um, Joe Nell's Kenosha CrossFit. I've talked mm. about him, and I sh- I showed his video. I, I put his video up on Diablo's Instagram of he him walking around with the the shine out in the middle of the street. You know, thirty come drop in, yeah, yeah. come drop into CrossFit. CrossFit. He's doing thirty days. He's got a video. He's got a daily video of thirty days of him going to different places. Walmart. He went to Lululemon. He went and stood out in the middle of the street, just telling people handing about out CrossFit. cards, handing out business cards about CrossFit. Yeah. And uh, it was it, it, it was a motiv- motivation that he took from Greg Glassman, who used to would stop people like at the gas station if they were morbidly obese and say, or a hey, Starbucks or something. Yeah, no. I, I can help you. And people would look at him like, help me with what? And then he would tell them about CrossFit. And so Joe took that idea. And then from there, I've taken kind of that idea, that initiative to start to talk to people more as I we just. We get in the pattern of coming here and we're in our own world and we tell, yeah, we'll tell our friend and family and friends if they ask, but I really am not like outside of here. I don't want to be that guy. Like we all know, no one wants to be that CrossFit guy. Right. right. But, but now I'm, um, I'm, I'm actually taking the, turning that on its head. And I'm like, you know, I want to be that guy. We need to be that guy because our country is not making and our government is not making the changes and the food companies, certainly and the, and the pharma mm-hmm. companies aren't going to make the changes that we, I think are necessary to change people's lives and make them healthier for the long term. Um, and to, to, to break this cycle of, of chronic disease in this country. So it requires us. And I would encourage, and so I've been in our coaches meeting yesterday, I encourage our mm-hmm. coaches, same thing. Talk, try to talk to one new person a day outside of Diablo right. um, about CrossFit. And just, it doesn't have to be long. Just, Hey, this is what I do. It's amazing. It, we cure chronic disease. It's proven. It's a ton of evidence that'll document that, but you know, come give us a try. It's an amazing community. And I would encourage them. This is a long way of getting all the way back to what my, what you, what you prompted me and the, the, the competition and the community of adaptive athletes in San Francisco, I would encourage adaptive athletes that want to be challenged more. Um, to take the initiative themselves right to put together the competitions to keep those groups going and to encourage others that um have a prosthetic or that um are adaptive athletes to participate in crossfit and to keep moving i would encourage them to do the same thing that joe nails is doing in kenosha wisconsin Sounds like you're giving me a stretch assignment. (laughs) My my boss does that on a regular basis. We throw out ideas and he sounds like, that sounds like a good idea for a stretch assignment. Why don't you tackle that? So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. The the adaptive athletes and master's athletes love to, love to bitch and complain about, you know, how they're not being served and, and uh, how they're, you know, they should be, you know, included more and given equal treatment to the athletes. And I respond to that by saying, Okay, go do it. Did you know, just figure out how you're going to do it. Figure out how you're going to either influence CrossFit or encourage, you know, other people to participate so that it becomes so overwhelming that the CrossFit yeah. does respond. Right. That's because with, and, and I told, you know, again, our coaches yesterday, it's, you can get really discouraged yes. when you look at 42% obesity. Yeah. We took that large body athlete. We had that large body athlete seminar in here, Luis, and it was, 
I did. It was more than I expected, and I was just so. It was so. It's. It was the, the biggest thing I would take away is just kind of what you just said. You you have to meet people where they are. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things. Like the bigger picture, it's like, oh, we want we to didn't get under, you healthy. We, we we didn't understand where they were. Yeah, and that and that was that was one of the biggest eye opening things of that whole seminar, and yeah. it can be applied to so much more than just the larger body athletes. But it's it's an important thing that needs to be addressed and and yeah, just considered it can be it can seem over my point being it can seem overwhelming it can seem like where there's nothing we can do all we can do is one is fix one person and get them to come back tomorrow you can get them to come back tomorrow so i think the same thing probably for people with uh with with prosthetics um, where the adaptive athletes they they if you can get them to work out today and then want to do it tomorrow want to get up and move tomorrow that's that's where i would i would encourage people to do anyway I, I got off on a soapbox um really cool discussion yeah we're, we're we've been in now almost an hour and a half and i keep saying every week we're gonna go 45 minutes <laughs> yeah bullshit it's <laughs> really that that's that's how much time you usually allocate well you remember it, it, we, we started, started at, like 40 yeah. he's like oh, 30 30 to 45 minutes is like the target window yeah. that one i was like that's never gonna happen so <laughs> so last week I, I ran into someone you know terry o'neill and Terry O'Neill is. Oh, it's Terry. Yeah, he's doing great. He's yeah. yeah. He's he owns a car wash. He's he's still dealing with some some. He still paints here and there. He's he's he he, he does. He still paints. I know. I but, know. But he he owns a car wash over there on uh, Monument. Okay. And uh, and he's but he's dealing with uh, a legal matter with his with his family that is long and drawn out. So he doesn't want to bring he doesn't want to come to the gym because he doesn't want to bring it in here, which I understand. But he said to me, he goes, I listened to your podcast, Greg. Because it's great. He goes, I li- I try to listen to him. He goes, but. He goes recently. He goes, they're too fucking long, <laughs> and he goes, and you guys start going on, and it gets boring. <laughs> Terry can talk to me like that, you know. And goes, yeah. you know, he's like sixty-five years old. You know, he just he's, he's going to be very direct. He goes, yeah. He goes, you guys just need to you, you need to stop talking after a while. He goes, just make short them up. I'm like, okay, Terry, thanks for the feedback. <laughs> um, and so I said last week, I told Jamie, okay, Jamie, we're going to try and keep these under an hour because Terry, because I, you know, he, Terry kind of cut me a little bit. Here we are at a minute, an hour and a half, and I could go. He another- can turn it off in an hour if he wants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we could we could go another half an hour. But um, but this has been really really super informative. I've learned yeah. a lot about you as a person. Yeah, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm glad you guys invited me on. I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle this. Uh, you know, I I talk for a living, and I always still struggle. I always I always still get nervous right yeah. before I go oh, on yeah. and talk. Oh, that's interesting. But at, at at least this time, I'm talking to two people that I. I see on a regular basis, yeah. right? It's harder when you're talking to strangers and you don't uh, know where they're coming from. Yeah. So where to meet them at. 100%. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sweet. Well, cool. Well, thanks for being on and uh, enjoyed the show. This has got a lot of good clips here. Harold was watching, so I'm sure we're going to see some stuff get uh, put back out, but thank you, man. It was cool. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Anytime. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Till next time. Bye.